goodness to you. He wants to surprise you with his goodness. He wants to demonstrate not just what he did, but what he's doing. And I'm so glad you tuned in today. So we're going to we're gonna have a Christmas message. We deviate once a year, and that's for Christmas. And uh, we talk about that special day. So if you would, turn in your Bible with me to the book of John, chapter 10. John, chapter 10. Let's talk about Christmas, specifically. Of the, I'm sorry, Children's Church. Y'all are dismissed. Y'all need to holler a little louder. Praise God. Sorry about that. John chapter 10. What about Christmas? That's my question this morning. What about Christmas? It's a big, uh, as I just explained, it's a kind of a, every year it's a, uh, it's a challenge to know how much emphasis to put on the day or the holiday, Christmas, uh, how commercial to get or how, you know, just to give something handmade and uh, you know, and but yet they want something electronic or that you can radio control or that is real glistening and and uh, reflects light well and all that sort of stuff. It's got gold embedded in it, but uh, we all struggle in a sense because we're born again and we're Jesus is Lord. We struggle with the forces of being in a culture that is totally commercial, but being in a family that is totally emphasized on the love of God. And so we are wrestling with that in some dimension, but mostly because we're giving or we're surrounded by or immersed in a culture that is not spiritual, that is not thinking of that. Uh, you, you, you give them a gimpy gift with all your heart and all your love, and they're going, well, where's my gift card? Did it fall out? Well, what, what is this little thing you made that's got my name on it? So um, we're, we're endeavoring to follow the Bible pattern and yet be a demonstration for our loved ones, our family and such, to, to not just be so spiritual that we're no earthly good and to be so spiritual on that day, but then be saying, I got I to gotta end this today. I got to go on a cruise tomorrow. So, you know, it's, there's a lot there. So let's talk about two or three things this morning very briefly. The first one, we all have to keep this in the forefront of our thinking. Why did Jesus come? Because it has morphed into a commercial, cultural holiday that has little resemblance to the original intent and the original reason. I do want to remind everybody that uh, the atheists and the uh, agnostics and all that that are so incensed about the holiday Christmas that America celebrates, that it is a federal holiday. Easter is not, but Christmas is a federal holiday and if you don't know Jesus or don't like Jesus or don't want to be around those people that do, it doesn't matter. You're going to probably get off on Christmas because it is a federal holiday. We, in God, we trust. God bless America. It's a part of our culture. And they are trying to chip away at that and get rid of that. But it hadn't worked yet. That's because we're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Hallelujah. And we're going to keep on shining. So it's important what you do. You can't probably address the Congress or, you know, get up on broadcast with, like the president and address the whole nation. But what you're called to do, what I'm called to do is affect my little atmosphere around wherever I go to affect my family, to be affected and then to affect my family and be a testimony, a witness of the good news that I'm living every day. What makes me and you different? And yeah, we'll, we'll be subtle about it but we'll always be strong about it. Jesus is Lord. Amen. And so it's just a marvelous opportunity for us to 
to engage our culture at Christmas. Actually, you know, Christmas is not the main day for a, for a Christian. It's the resurrection. Because, you know, kids being birthed, they're all over the place. What was supernatural? Well, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's say, well, let's say, why did Jesus come? Look with me in verse 10, and uh, let's read it together. Verse 10, why did Jesus come? He said, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now, this is why the Lord Jesus said he came. Many would argue with you and say he came to forgive us of our sins and he came to die for our sins. But that's not what he said he came for. He said, I've come that you must, might have life. Now, it is incident in that, that he had to die for our sins to bring us that life. It's a part of the process, but it's not the reason he came. Because if he had come and they'd stoned him, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have dealt with our sin. If, he, if, they, if he'd come and they strangled him, that would not have dealt with our sin. It was actually not even the cross, except just the method. Did you drive up in a Chevrolet, a Toyota, a, a Ford? What did you drive up in? It's, it's, it's irrelevant. We're just glad you drove up. Well, what, how he was, how he was uh, killed or how he was uh, arraigned in that culture had to happen so that the blood in his body was drained out because he didn't die for our sin necessarily. He gave his life for our sin, and in giving his life, he had to die. I know this seems picky. I know this seems around the world, but you got to get it straight because the whole Bible is based on how he thinks he came. And so he gave his blood, and the way he gave his, his blood was not by stoning or strangulation or, or hanging or whatever. He, he, he was pierced. And the piercing that happened, how it happened, we call it a crucifixion. But he was pierced. There was nothing spiritual about the crucifixion. The Romans did it as a matter of, of, uh, of, uh, of asserting their authority in their culture. They wanted you to look at someone that disobeyed or was contrary to Roman law, and so they, they would hang you up so you'd see it. They didn't just uh, hang you in a corner or electric chair you in a, in, a, in a building. They hung you up on a cross, and you stayed there many, many days, and everybody that walked by and heard of that would say, I better get my stuff together. The Romans will do this to me. That's what it was to the Romans. It wasn't spiritual at all. They didn't say, you know, I must obey God. And, and, uh, and him dying was, was uh, not the cause. It was that he gave his blood. And the Bible says in Leviticus, the life is in the blood. So when he gave his blood, he had to give his life. I know that's, that seems, but Jesus said, that's why I've come. Not to, not to atone for your sins, but I've come that you might have life. And the way to get life to us was to first get us forgiven of our sins. It was a part of the process. But you can be a forgiven sinner and just go out and sin again. Matter of fact, we've all sinned since that day. Is that right? Well, what, what makes us special? Because we, we got forgiven. Well, it's because we're not forgiven sinners. We were transformed. We were regenerated. We were made new because his life became our life. We exchanged his life for our life. He, he did that for us. And that was very important. Um, this word here, I have come that you might have life, is the word Zoe. I was thinking this, this, this yesterday about the, the, the halls uh, 
middle daughter, Zoe. How amazing that name is. Because the word actually is the word that describes God himself. The essence and the substance, the thing that makes God God is called Zoe. It's the God kind of life, the God essence of, of, of life. It's, uh, and Jesus said, I've come that you might have that life in you like I have in me. I got my life from the Father. I'm giving you his life through me. So he said, I've come. The reason I've come is not just so you can go to heaven. That's a byproduct. That's, a, that's an essence that, that kind of like an aroma that comes off of it. But why it came is so we'd walk in victory on the earth. So it's, that's why it's not enough just to say, well, I got born again. I'm going to live like the devil. You can, but you're going to live a wretched and a, uh, an untestimonial life, and it's not going to be much fun. Matter of fact, some sinners will have a better life than you because they are moral and ethical, and, and they, by default, they actually keep the law better than some Christians. They give more. They're kinder to more. They're, they're more obedient, and so they actually have a better life than some Christians. But they won't go to heaven unless they're born again. So... Uh, the second reason Jesus uh, 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 came is demonstrated in Psalm chapter 40, the 40th Psalm. Would you turn there with me, please? Psalm 40. So this one's going to be prophetic. Obviously, it's in Psalm 40. Now, remember or understand that the devil took Jesus to the desert well, actually, the devil didn't, but the Spirit bade him go into the wilderness right after he was filled with the Holy Ghost, to, and uh, he was tempted there. What was the temptation about? Why did the devil try to get Jesus to yield to temptation? Well, obviously, he wanted him to sin because Jesus responded every time it is written, but one of the very earliest re or main reasons that the devil tempted him is because the devil was trying to get him out of timing. And the devil is trying to get you and me out of timing, to be at the right place at the wrong time, or the wrong place at the right time, if you could say that. And so he endeavored to get Jesus, turn this, turn this stone into bread. Jump off the pinnacle of the temple and the angels will bear you up. He tried to get him to manifest the supernatural before his time. He tried to get him to be declared or known as the Messiah uh, to a people that were looking for a Messiah that would deliver them from Rome. They were looking for a, a Messiah that would come in and justify the Jewish people. They, He'd just come in, and, and his angels would come in, and he'd chop all the heads off of all the Romans and all the, the worldly people, and hallelujah, the Messiah's come, and we, we're all vindicated, and we're all set free. They were looking for that, but that's not what God sent. Amen? So that's, that's how that was. They were expecting a Messiah that would overthrow Rome and, and establish his kingdom, and of course, the Jews would be in that kingdom. But that wasn't it at all. He said, I've come that you might have life. Had nothing to do with the government. And it still has nothing to do with the government. We can flourish under any government. The Bible says if we'll pray for these people, because it's our fault. It's our fault in America 
that we're dealing with all these people that are anti-God, that are godless. It's our fault, church. It's our fault because the Bible says in Timothy, I want you to pray for those that are in authority that you might live a godly and peaceable life. So anytime we're not living godly and peaceable, it's because we have just failed to pray for those in authority. We've railed ourselves against them. You sorry political party, you sorry this and that. And we rail, we, we shake our fist at the darkness instead of turning around and manifesting the light. And it just doesn't work to just be mad at the darkness. So in, uh, in Psalm 40, look at this in verse 7. This is prophetic. This is, this is the Messiah. This is the Lord Jesus speaking before he was even made flesh. But this is what God was saying. He says, then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me. So he's speaking of what's written to me. And in verse 8, he said, why did you come, Lord Jesus? He said of himself prophetically, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is written in my heart, within my heart. The word within there literally means in the midst of my heart. He said, I delight to do thy will, O my God. So why did Jesus come? He said, it was said of him uh, prophetically, I delight to do thy will. That was why Jesus came. That was the purpose of Jesus coming. He didn't come with his own agenda. He didn't come with his own ideas. He didn't come to say and do and to be known and glorified. He came simply to do the will of God. Well, I'm going to submit to you, if that was his will and purpose, it should be our will and purpose. It should be my will because I'm different than you. My calling is different than you. You know, I can't do so many things. There's just a gazillion things I can't do well at all if I can do them at all. So I have to what we call now stay in my lane. <laughs> I got to stay in my lane because there's a grace for my lane. But if I get out of that lane, I'm on my own and I'm, I'm a mess. And so it is with you. So we, if you can't sing, you don't have a gift for singing, don't have a call for singing, stay away from the front of the church and just get in the shower and just take, take two or three a day and just sing your little heart out. That's what I have to do. Hallelujah. Because there is no grace for me to sing in order, but I can do other things. And you, you are filled with the, the blessing and the wisdom and the, and the gifts of God. But you got to find your lane and stay with it. you got to say, I am come, Lord. The reason I'm born in this generation is to do thy will. What is it, Lord? My quest is to say, what is the will of God? Because he laid it out before the foundation of the world, didn't he? And so the will of, for the Lord Jesus of the Father was laid out. Here it is in Psalm. Hundreds, thousands of years before the Lord Jesus was even uh, uh, incarnated, he spoke of himself in advance saying, I'm coming or I've come to do the will of God. And then in Hebrews 10, let me just read you that. Well, I'll just read it. Uh, he said, uh, I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written to me to do thy will, O God. That's what Hebrews says in the New Testament. So it's affirmed, old and new, Hebrews 10, 7. So the principle of the life of Jesus, why did he come? Well, why did you come? Well, what is, what is the purpose of me being here? Lord, I want to know the meaning of life to do the will of God. If you'll settle down and shut up and just be quiet and get in the word and listen to Holy Ghost, he'll tell you what your part is. He won't tell you the, the end of it because we'd mess it up. He'd tell us the end if we could handle it, but we can't handle it. 
We want to skip the, the, the training, the discipleship, the suffering in our soul that it takes to go to that place. We want to just go there. Oh, I'm going to make you a, a, a singer that's uh, in front of thousands to lead people to Jesus. Oh, yay, God. Let, let me look for a contract. Let me, let me, you know, no, no, no. It's going to take 40 years, and you're going to have to be crucified in your heart uh, we have a lot of pride and vanity and, and self this and self that. And eventually that's where you'll end up if you'll stay with me. So we, he can't tell us the end, although he can tell you, I'm going uh, I'm gonna, to, you'll always triumph in me. That's what he'll tell you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He'll tell you that. He'll tell you that I've seated you at the right hand, uh, uh, at my right hand. Seated with him in heavenly places, I should say. So he'll tell you the, the promise that whatever he puts you, whatever track he puts you on, it's going to be good. No matter how it is in the middle, however it is that, you know, you just can't tell, however much the clock doesn't seem to line up. God, I'm older than I've ever been. Here we clocked off another birthday and we hadn't done nothing. We hadn't done anything towards this calling. What is going on? Well, we know he's working stuff out. And he's working stuff in, stuff that in that moment of time when he wants you to stand up and, and, uh, and, uh, and stand in your place, let the Holy Ghost do the work through you, you got to have stuff worked out that's not worked out. How's that going to happen? Time. You're just going to have to submit to him and say, Lord, I don't want to do this. He's got to get your giving worked out. Well, Lord, I want, I want to keep this money. Well, you, that's fine, but you just, it's it, the, the thing, the fear that's in you to not give, it's you, you're not ready for my kingdom. You're not ready to be used what I called you to, so I'm working that stuff out, and it's going to take a little while. It doesn't have to take long. You can come in here like the Lord Jesus has said, it is written to me to do thy will of God. You, we can all just line up and say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In my life as it is in heaven. And you just, uh, uh, what does Gal uh, Galatians chapter 2 say? Uh, I, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it is not I, but, well, I just, I just massacred it. Sorry. <laughs> I knew better. I knew better, but here we go. I know where it is, so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll read it out of the Bible. It's chapter 2, verse 20. Uh, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I, I live, not yet not I, but Christ who liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we're having to be self-crucified. The Lord doesn't crucify us. We have to get up on the cross in a manner of speaking. We have to get up on his cross and say, I died with him. But nevertheless, I died with him. I am raised up with him. Amen. So we have to have, these are basic tenets. These are foundational truths that let you go and have success at Christmas. That lets you know the main event in the kingdom of God is not the manger. And it's not the cross. And it's not the, uh, the tomb. It's the throne. That's who we are. We're seated with him. We're kings and priests unto God. Well, that's who we are, but all this other stuff is in the process. And if you can't see yourself enthroned as, as on, at the right hand of the Father, then you're going to dwell on the manger. Then you're going to dwell on the cross. You're going to be cross-oriented. Well, that was in the process. That's in the, uh, 
the, the thing that got you where you are, but it's not the vain event. Don't stop. If you're going to Birmingham, don't stop in McCalla and get a night. Go ahead and stay on the road because you won't, you won't find it in McCalla. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> Amen. So um, when, we got to ask ourselves, when did Jesus come? Now, this is not a big deal. We need to know why he came, why he said he came, but when did he come? Let me read you something that's, uh, that's very interesting. It'll just make you stronger inside, or it could. But that, because a lot of people that want to focus, they want to major on the minors, they're going to say, this is a pagan holiday. We had someone in our church for years that was so mad when we would put a Christmas tree in the church. Now, they loved Santa Claus. They were all about him, but the, the tree was verboten. It was a pagan symbol of this, and they pointed to something, pointed to this and that. I like that tree. I like it in the church. I like Santa Claus, though. I, I know there's lots of controversy about Santa Claus. Should you lie to your children and say he's coming when you know he's not? I mean, there's lots of things you got to work out as parents. And we try not to blow those up here and talk about Santa Claus when you, uh, and all that. But, but the main event is, however you get there, this does not come against that. And it's cultural. It's in our culture. And if you are weird, if you say, I'm against the tree because it was pagan, you're just going to turn a lot of people off for no value. Now, if you say that Jesus was a good man and he was a prophet like the Mormons do, and, and just say, but he was not God, then you're, you're crossways. You're, you're going to mess up. You're, that is something you shouldn't just exceed so you can get along. But the tree, now do what you want. Now, we have no doctrine here about the tree is this and the Santa Claus is that. We have no doctrine. You, you want to do Halloween? God bless you. You know, I'd advise against it. I don't think it's right. But, but do as you will. Work out your own salvation. Amen. That's all I'm going to say about that, Forrest Gump said. Hallelujah. But uh, let's talk about Christmas uh, when he came. December 25th is when we choose. It doesn't matter. The, the, uh, the Adventists, they have church on Saturday because they say that's the true day. I can tell you, you can have it on Tuesday afternoon. And it doesn't matter to God. Just, just go play golf on Sunday, but show up in your finest on Tuesday afternoon and have church. And I'm telling you, the kingdom, we're not under that kind of day-to-day rigor. And so it doesn't have to be on Saturday. It doesn't have to be on Sunday. Why is it on Sunday? Because it's our culture. Everybody will get along with that. They, they still, in some places, will, will not have football practice on Wednesday evening. It's rare, but it, it could happen. It's culture. We just jump in wherever we can. And it doesn't matter. That day doesn't matter. So when Jesus came, doesn't matter so much. But I will tell you, according to some scholars, and I can't quote everything they said, and it doesn't matter if I did get it right or wrong. But the truth is, probably, is that he was conceived of the Holy Ghost on December 25th. And that he was born. And, and that's, the, uh, that's uh, the first day of Tibet. And that on 5 B.C., the first day of Tibet, which would be December 25th, that likely the Lord Jesus was physically conceived uh, in, in Mary's womb. And that he was born on the 15th day of Tishri, that Jewish month, uh, which is September 29th. 
And you go, well, that messes us all up. Well, I'll tell you, if everything else that's in the kingdom is, many of the things are called moeds. They don't just happen happenstance. Uh, they all line up according to time, and there's moeds. When Jesus is coming back, is a moed. It's not arbitrary. It's not like, well, when everybody gets this and when everybody gets that right, then the Lord's going to look down and say, I think it's time. It's already set. And you go, well, how could he set it if stuff's not done? Because he can look ahead. He looked ahead and said, they're all going to do this, and I'm going to have all the different tribes, uh, the word in their own language, all that stuff. And he said, this is the day it happened, and he just backed it up from there. He knows, but we don't know. But as we get closer, we can sense it. I, t I always know when Christmas is coming, don't y'all? <laughs> I get excited. I start saying, Deborah, be sure and pick out something good when you come to my name on the list. Don't, don't, get, don't get cheapo then. Hallelujah. So uh, scholars think that he was conceived on December 25th, which is a spiritual day. That's the supernatural. Now, that he was born in a manger is not supernatural. I am I right? Wasn't, weren't there other babies born that day in a, in a whatever? Of course. But that he was conceived is supernatural because he was conceived of a virgin and the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost picked the day. I mean, if you don't have a, a, uh, uh, a wild time with your husband or something the first time or your boyfriend or whatever, and just like it happened on that day, excuse me, that was a little crude, but I'm just saying if the Holy Ghost did it, then he picked the day. It was, it was his call, and he picked it on December 25th so that the Lord Jesus could be born on the spiritual day. It was the beginning of uh, uh, the 15th of Tishri is the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles, and that's when the Word was made flesh. And then the time, the clocks, is in line with the coming of the Lord, the return of Jesus, and then the uh, excuse me, the rapture, and then the second coming of Jesus. So we have a supernatural conception, but we had an absolutely natural birth. And you go, well, we need to fix that. No, just, just, let's just have the manger scene. Let's just have, hard as this is to say, let's just have wise men, like Melissa said. Let's just have three wise men. And let's have some camels and some, some oxen around. Because that's what the whole world believes. And it's like, okay, we could get that right with them and fuss and argue and, and call them out and miss everything about the supernatural. And so I'm not saying that we're condoning error, but that stuff doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It's just that you know. And it makes you, it's for you to know and say, God's got this thing. He set it up and it's exact, it's precise, and tradition has messed it up. Uh, but I'm going to get it right. And so uh, here's my little message this morning. The only people at the first Christmas were those that were looking to be at the first Christmas. Looking to be. Say it with me. Looking to be. Now, uh, uh, most of the people missed the first Christmas, the, the, the birth of Jesus. They missed it because they were looking at other things. All the politicians of that day, if you go through and read the account of Herod and, and all the big boys that thought Jesus was going to be king of the Jews, they missed it. They didn't know when he was born. Is that right? Because they told the wise men, 
when you boys come back, tell us where he's at. And uh, that way we can go and worship him. Uh, the politicians, then the business people, everybody that was in business back then, they all missed the first coming. Let me ask you about the innkeeper. He missed it. Was he right there? Was he there on the night or the day? It, who knows if it was at night? I know we always put it at night. We always put it in a stable. But back then, they used caves to lodge their, you know, it, there wasn't a lot of wood back then. It wasn't, it wasn't like a, a Western that you see, and they, they take all the cows and horses in the barn. It, it wasn't like that, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We don't know where it was. We just know there was a manger that after he was born, she laid him in the manger. Is that right? Now, that's just interesting. That's just, but it doesn't matter. Uh, so the innkeeper missed the first Christmas because he wasn't looking for it. He wasn't in the line to see the sign, to hear the voice, to, to, to be tuned in. Uh, the religious establishment, the, Jesus was coming for the Jews. They missed it completely. Matter of fact, they were pretty, they had their stuff in a knot over a lot of stuff about that, and they didn't like it. They missed it. So who got to be at the first Christmas? Because you and I would say, I'd have been there. We have to look at our own lives right now, and we would know how we would have been then. Most Christians wouldn't have been there. Most Christians would not have recognized Jesus or followed him. They probably would have thrown something at him and been in the crowd that said crucify him. I know that sounds tough, but we wouldn't be any different than them back then. It's by revelation that we know what we know. I, I proved, that's why I brought the little list of 20 things, is because we think we know some stuff, but you only know what you know by revelation. You know, uh, I was thinking about that. Uh, uh, there's nothing, you, revelation can't be taught. You, you can't teach somebody revelation. Peter, uh, Peter was talking to the Lord Jesus when he said, who's the Christ, who do you say that I am? He said, Jesus, the Lord Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is heaven. Revelation. He saw something that wasn't said, even if it was said, nobody else heard it. I was thinking about the prodigal. He, he had riotous living. He was just laying around. He was doing nothing. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 15, it says, he came to himself. Well, I've come to myself several times. I wasn't in a pig pen, but I was destitute in my thinking. I was in error. I was wrong. I was off the right track. I was pursuing things that I shouldn't be. I'm not talking about evil things. I'm not talking about deviant thing. I'm just talking about I was, I was looking for stuff in my life that didn't have the Lord Jesus enthroned at the top of it. And the Bible says he came to himself and said, I should go to dad's house. It's good stuff there. That was a revelation. He didn't get taught that. Circumstances were certainly pointing to that. But y'all have known about people that were totally away from God, that were born again, but away from God. And they knew things. They had a knowing in them, but there was no revelation until there was. Till they came to themselves, and many times they die without ever coming to themselves. Y'all have kin folks like that or know somebody? I know me. I've missed several timetables. I look back and see that it was all over you. It was, it was obvious. It was, it was all there for you to do and go and be. And Michael, you just sailed through. You just sailed through like it's going to be tomorrow like it is today. We've got to live by revelation. 
And so that's the reason I give you the things about the Christmas, that we think we're living in truth, but in fact, we're living much of our lives by tradition. And even though we're endeavoring to pull away by that, by saying, well, I'm going to be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with tongues. That's not the tradition I was raised with. We're going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to recover. That wasn't going on where I was raised. How did I get out? It wasn't because they taught it. It's because I came by revelation. And I was working stuff out. And as I worked stuff out, there was room for stuff to come in. And one day I had an epiphany. About a gazillion of them. Don't y'all know what I'm talking about? You, you, get a, you get revelation about your money. You get revelation about uh, what you can say and where you can go and who you can live with or, or live around. We get revelations, and it's nothing that just says, there's a star in the sky. We must go. It's not like that. But on the other hand, it's just as life-changing because you, you turn. Five degrees, three degrees, you turn, and you, you, you face the the blessing of the Lord suddenly, whereas it was going around you. Amen. So who was there? Because the only ones that were there at the, at the birth of Jesus were those that were looking to be there. And my point this morning is, you know what's in your future? I could listen to you for a day or six, and I could find out exactly, I could predict your future, because it's what you're looking for. The only thing in your future is what you're looking for. And if you're not looking at the right thing, the, the, the prodigal, back to him, he was looking to get away from the stifling oversight of his big brother. What a pest his big brother was. You all know about big brothers. And he said, I got to get out of here. And so he talked his daddy into some stuff and he got out of there because that was where he wanted to be. And so that's where he went. And it played out just exactly like he planned, even though he didn't plan the consequences. Well, I've missed a lot of stuff. I don't know, y'all. I've been filled with the Holy Ghost be 40 years next month. I've missed a bunch of stuff. One reason is, is because there wasn't much going on back then. You kind of were on your own. The first 20 years of my Holy Ghost life, we didn't know come on from Sikkim because there was no churches, there was no... But there was no cassette. To, there wasn't a lot going on. But now everybody's standing on the shoulders of like Brother Copeland, Brother Hagen that went before us. And we start out higher than, than I ended after 20 years. So it, but the stuff that's in me in those 20 years, it wasn't just knowledge that was going down the river like a leaf on it. I had to fight for truth just like you did. And what I know, I know. And I know inside, and I'm not, you can't move me off of what I know because I had to suffer in my soul to get where I was. There was nobody around saying, oh, yeah, go this way, go that way. This is, this is the way we've been going for 30 years. There was nobody that knew anything. My pastor, when I started out, he'd been in the ministry 11 months older, longer than me. <laughs> you talk about the bland leading the bland, <laughs> you know. Well, we, he didn't know anything. He was feeling his way along, the blind leading the blind, and I was just right back there in his track. So, yay, and I know you're that way. The angels said, what, now how, how did the angels, why were they there? They said, you'll find the baby lying in a manger. They were tuned in. Well, of course they were. But the shepherds said in Luke 2, 
We won't go there, but they said in Luke 2, they said, let's go and see. And then we had Brother Steve explain to us the other night that it was about nine miles away for the shepherds to go find the manger. But what were they looking for? There was no star for them. There was no angels with dust, glittering dust, that they followed the trail. They went into town. They went into town and found a baby in a manger. Now, I don't know what the listings are that. You know, your GPS, if, uh, you know, you can clock that in and see where he is. They had to go find him. They had to pursue him. They had to search for him. And every good thing in our lives, mine and yours, every good thing is a thing that you looked for. If you're not looking for prosperity, I'm telling you, it will fly around you at the equator. You can make a strong argument by taking stuff out of context and because and, I've heard it all that prosperity is not God's plan. Healing passed away. You got to pursue this. You got to dig through the junk that's around it. You got you to gotta want it. So the, the, the shepherd said, we want it. The angel says, if y'all want this, he's over the hill nine miles. Another thing I got on the song the other day and I told y'all about is certain poor shepherds. That won't hurt long. How do we know they were poor? That was a, that was a respected way of living back then. Certain poor professors. What? Certain poor event planners or programmers. No. Okay. I digress. Uh, the wise men, what made them find the Lord Jesus? Like Melissa said, two years later, he was at a house, their house. Oh, speaking of house, was, was Mary and Joseph homeless? Only in the sense that if you go on a trip and you stay in a hotel and it's not your home and you're homeless, yeah, I guess that would be homeless, but they, they were, they, there was no room in the inn because everybody was in town for the convention, the taxing, the census. Con but they had a house at home, and when they were through, I don't know. The Bible says that the, the wise men came to the house and said, where is the baby? We have come to worship him. And these were not spiritual men. These were magicians. Uh, so... I'm, I'm winding this thing up. The, the, you remember the Christmas story movie? Oh, how good is that? And you remember what Ralphie wanted? Oh, we all know. I looked it up just so I could get it right. Because he was in hot pursuit of a Red Ryder 200-shot range model air rifle with what? A compass in the stock. Let me read that to you again. A Red Ryder 200-shot range model air rifle with a compass in the stock. Could it be any different for Ralphie? It had to be, because he was in hopper. He did not want a train. He did not want a slingshot. It was this. And if you ask kids today and say, uh, what do you want? They'll start, they'll hit the print button on their phone, <laughs> and it'll start scrolling out the printer, catalog numbers and store locations and, and price on sale. Uh, it's terrible. But I read this story, and I've been saving this story, about a boy named Brian. This is funny. He bugged his parents about getting a watch for Christmas. He bugged them incessantly. And finally, his father said, Brian, if you mention that watch again, you're not going to get it. Quit bugging us. Well, right before Christmas, uh, 
Brian's parents asked him to lead in prayer before dinner. I love this. So uh, Brian said, I'd like to quote a scripture to you before I pray. It's in Mark 13. It says, I say unto you what I've already told you before. Watch. <laughs> Isn't that good? So we're getting what we're pursuing. We're getting what we're looking for. We're getting. So it's important. It's essential that we look at the right thing, that we are searching for the right thing. Well, what will be will be. If, you know, when it comes, I'll choose. You're on the wrong track. You, that's, not what, that's not how we're programmed. We're supposed to know some things so we can pursue some things. I'm a Christian. Are you a Christian? I'm a born-again filled with the Holy Ghost Christian. So I know some things. There's some grace on my life. There's some power and authority that's on every Christian, but I'm aware of it. I know what I have. You know what you have? Well, we're, we're moving right along if we don't. And so it's expected of me when the devil tries to snatch out of the way what's mine, that I rise up and take hold and take authority, and I resist him. Amen? So uh, what, what, what are you going to find this Christmas, or next Christmas, we could say, or whatever? Uh, you're going to find exactly what you're looking for. If your case, sera, sera, what will be, will be, you're, you're, you're going in a circle. And it, there's nothing in that circle that you want or need. Uh, Matthew 7, 7 says, seek and ye shall find. Isn't that what the Bible says? Seek and ye shall find. So there's a seeking. Nothing good. Listen, listen. Nothing good has ever come into your life that you didn't get in pursuit. If you ever got married, if you ever got a job, if you ever got, you were, you may not have been pursuing that job, but you were pursuing a certain level of job, and you might have said, it's got to be this much money, it's got to have this in it, uh, can't work on Sundays, or whatever your pursuit is. Uh, if you say, I'll work any time, any shift, for any amount of money, I'm telling you, your job is in front of you, and you're not going to like it long. But if you'll say, I'm lined up in faith, I'm pursuing God's job. You may have to wait a little bit while the Lord shuffles the cards and gets them dealt just like what he wants. Matthew eleven twenty four 24 says, ha, ha, I love this. This is my favorite scripture right now. What things soever ye desire when you pray, believe that ye receive them. There's a pursuit in that. Believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. So what we pursue, what we seek, what we're looking for, that's what's in line for us. you got to get some stuff out of the way. There's some clutter in there from a past life, a past confession, a past whatever that's lined up and it's in there. But it doesn't matter. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It can't be any different than what you say that the Word says. Um, so I want to go back to Psalm 40, and then I'm finished. The, the, the psalmist said, listen, he said, then said I, lo, I come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. Is that one up? That's Isaiah. Excuse me, that's Psalm 40. Let's read that together. Now, let's let's let's. Let's say it like the prodigal said. He's, the Bible says he came to himself. So there, you may not come to yourself a bunch this morning, but let's, let's move two degrees. 
Let's, let's put our sails in the wind at a better angle so we can get down the road. You know, if you're, if you're going, if, you sail, if you're not tacking right in a sailboat, it can be blowing, but you're not going to take advantage of that. Your, your sails will be just limp. But I want to get my sails where they're full and billowed out, and I'm getting a maximum push because I'm older than I've ever been. How about you? And the call of God on my life, which I don't fully know, but I got a big idea of, I have to fulfill it before the day is over. Well, God, you'll just have to do it. That's not what he says. He says, I'll show you what to do, and I'll empower you to do it, and I'll open up avenues. I'll send people in with what you need, and I'll open doors, and you'll walk in this, and you'll live in the city I said. You'll go to the church that I prepared. You'll have a pastor that'll do this or that, and uh, I'll surround you with people that'll encourage you and bring an atmosphere of like precious faith. I'll do all that, but it's up to me to say yes, 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 yes. Well, Lord, I really don't want to live in Alabama, but yes. I don't want to live in Tuscaloosa, but yes, because what difference does it make? So that kind of approach to your life, if it's precious to you, comes in this verse. This is what the Lord Jesus said about himself. So let's read it together about ourselves. I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is written within my heart. Excuse me, I... Put a word in there. Thy law is within my heart. It'll put you on a pursuit. And you, the futility and the emptiness of a life that just kind of circulates, that just you just stir in it and nothing changes, it'll be over. What I want, not like I should for certain, but I want what Jesus wants. That, that's how you describe a life that says, I delight to do thy will. You don't, you don't fuss with him and say, you know, God, this isn't a good time for that. Or God, the money, the, 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 my people, I don't want to move my family because they're all in school and they got 100 friends. I was in 13 schools, count them. 13 schools growing up. My father was Air Force. And we just went to a lot of schools. And I'm a shy person, believe it or not. I had, I had friends all the time. Have knew, knew this and I knew that. It's just, just don't succumb to it. God, just say, I delight to do thy will, O God. Thy law is within my heart. So I'm saying, what do we do? I'm doing what Jesus wants. I, I'm, uh, what Jesus wants is what I want. How Jesus wants me to want it, that's how I want it. I'm at the right place at the right time. And if I'm not, I'm saying, God, let's move this thing. Let's, let's adjust. You don't always get it. It's not necessarily easy first time because we want to know, you know, in two days, where's the word of the Lord? But you just rest. You just rest. Justin, you just rest. Melissa, you just rest. Lisa, you just rest. You just sit back and say, this isn't hard. Oh, I've got to find out the will of God. No, just relax. And take off the tension of, if it's going to work out, it's got to work out this way. i got to have this much money. And i got to have my 401k. And i got to have security. And i got to have rainy day fund. And i got to have, nah, not that much. Now, you'll have all that. 
the day and the way that you say, that stuff doesn't matter. The Lord wants you to have. Matthew, what's Matthew 12 say? Or Matthew 6 says, uh, all these things will be added unto you. What things? The things the Gentiles see. So if you need a 401k and God's not against it, if you need a, a new car, if you need a better house, the, we read it in Deuteronomy the other day. It says, and you say, uh, and you have built goodly houses. Houses. Ah, that'll make you look in the realtor book in another city and say, what do y'all got for a vacation home? You may go, well, I can't even make my own house payment. Ah, we're in pursuit of what he wants. If he says no, no vacation home for you, no boat for you, you just know all your fun is going to be another way. But it will be fun. I personally am having the time of my life. I'm having the time of my life. I'm not just these last two years, but I've been having the time of my life for a while. I do not worry. I do not think about the future. I do not think about how much money I don't have, which is considerable. <laughs> ah, I'm pastoring a church. I'm taking no thought about tomorrow. I'm, I'm, I'm the happiest little camper you ever saw. And I've told you all that, but I'm only telling you that because you ought to be happy. Life should not be stressful. We should dominate life. And you do that by saying, Lord, I want what you want. Then what things soever you desire, he'll start narrowing those. And you go, well, I thought I wanted a motorcycle. I thought I wanted a speedboat. I thought I wanted to live in. You, it'll just fade away. It'll just start crumbling and kind of dissolving out of your life. And you go, I'd rather do this. And you'll start moving that way gradually. What things soever you desire. Then you'll start praying about it. Lord, I'm praying about this thing that's kind of rising up inside of me. What, do you, what is that you? Well, of course it is. If there's no lust for it, if there's no demand, if there's no nervousness about, I got to get this, they're on sale. I got to get this before the last one's there. I got to, ah, right place, right time. I, he's got one for me, and if he doesn't, I don't want it. And you're going to find your life will be easy when you take that off. You'll find, you know, you won't have headaches. You won't have, you just a lot of stress will come off of you, and you'll just relax. The Lord can hardly find a believer that's relaxed. They're uptight. I, I put it in my book uh, about uh, uh, cooperating uh, with heaven on earth that uh, don't mess up your calling because somebody's messed up theirs. Pay no attention to other people. Well, I saw this happen. I pay no attention to that. And... Uh, uh, his desire. I'm a son. Are you a son or a daughter of God? I can figure out, Daddy. He's not complicated. He's not hidden. He's not like a beggar that's, or a hobo or somebody that's... He's my father. He says, come up here. I've, I've taken care of this. i got a plan. They're like, God, do you have a plan? He said, I, I'm clueless. I don't know how this is going to come down. You're, you're, you, better, you better make some plans because this thing could fall apart. He's not that. He said he'd never leave us or forsake us, forsake us, forsake us. So, Father, we thank you this morning that your word is true. And if we can do anything in this life, if we do anything that pleases you, we believe. We believe what you showed us. We believe revelation that you've given us. There's a lot of stuff, Lord, we don't know what to believe, but we know that as we pursue you, you'll show us more and more what to believe and how to believe it. 
and you'll show us when it turns, that believing turns, you'll show us what to do then. It'll come, it'll be there, it'll be on time. And so, Lord, we're just going to take the, 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 the reins off of you that we're guiding you, and we're going to let the reins fall on us and say, you, you turn me, Lord. I want to make the curve. I want to make the turn. I don't want to go straight like the whole world when you're saying turn. I'm easily persuaded to believe. And I thank you, Lord, for the Christmas story. And, Lord, that it's such good news, and you're so precise, and you work this thing out not haphazardly, but, Lord, with such detail that we can have confidence about everything else in our life that needs such detail. You were there, and you're here. So thank you, Lord, for a great Christmas and a bountiful new year, not because it's just filled with good economically or in our job, but because we want what you want, and you've got a higher than we could even ask, think, or imagine inside of us that you want us to have. I thank you, Lord. You show us the more. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, I love you so much. You just have no idea. I got orbits in my life of relationships, and y'all are right there. Y'all are right there in my orbit. Now, I got some folks that I put them on the Pluto list. <laughs> if you call, fine. If you don't call, that's fine. We, Pluto just comes around every 19 or 26 years, whatever it is. I forget, but, but it's like I, you come around every 26 years, I, you know, I'll eat a hot dog with you. <laughs> but with y'all, we're, we're eating steak every Saturday night. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well, amen. Anybody got a testimony before we go? Oh, thank you for tuning in today to our Christmas message. It'll be the last Christmas message we do this year. Hallelujah. But we'll be here next Sunday, and we'll launch into 2020. It's the greatest year that God has ever come up with. He's never been able to do what he's going to do in 2020. And part of that's because we're cooperating with him in 19. We're saying yes to the Lord Jesus in things we've never given him sway in, and he's got more prepared for us because he can. So be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.